How are you? Did you just say go? Go. Welcome back. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so many songs. So many. We're here. We're here. Hello. Hi. Energy check? Ooh. I'm at like a three. A three? Wow. What's wrong? What's wrong? Okay. It's been a lot these last. Dr. Hamlet? I think I'm at like a five or six, maybe a six. I think I'm a five. I think I'm good today in this present moment. That's good. I'm, maybe I'll try to get up on. We'll try to get on you your up. level. You know, I'm quite sure you'll be up by the end of this this discussion. This good discussion. I don't know about that though. It's kind of okay. a topic. All right. I mean, so this week let's <clears throat> let's let's discuss addiction. Right. Let's put it let's in context. It. We're in a whole panorama. <laughs> a panic at the disco. A what? A panic at the disco. Okay, panic at the disco. My good favorite patient calls it Panera Bread. A good Panera Bread. A Panasonic. Panasonic. Oh, I got one. Do I got one? A Penny Proud. A, penny a Panoramic. A Panoramic. Yes. Yep. A Panasonic episode. A Panty <laughs> Dropper. Doctor <laughs> Gaines, too far, too much, too much. What? Wow, I'm wow, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, you needed to see your face, Doctor Gaines. Too far, too far, too far. All right, the panty. Well, can you imagine that on CNN? The panty dropper situation has gotten worse in recent days. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, Ooh, wait. Okay. So, in this present situation, you know, we have people who may have lost their jobs. May, life has sort of changed as, as they know it, as we know it. And things happen, right? They sure do. And their coping turns to maladaptive coping. Their coping becomes addiction. But that road of addiction could have been reached by many different ways. Right? So what do you what do you do? Maybe we should start with like, because we're talking about now in the panoramic. But let's talk about like how the beginnings, like there's genetic vulnerabilities. Some people have more risk, more or more or less certain people, you know, have an experience and then they have a hard time reining that in. Yeah. There's different forms of addiction plays out in different ways. So maybe I feel like we should start with a little overview for the people. Okay. <clears throat> Dr. Gaines, or are you both want? looking at me like I'm the one that's going to give the overview? I mean, I'll <laughs> give you I'll give you one scenario. I'll okay. give you one scenario from an OT perspective. So let's just say, for whatever reason, <clears throat> good, bad, or indifferent, you have a joint injury, whether it's hip, knee, ankle, right, shoulder. Um, have surgery. It's replaced. It's fixed. You're repairing it. You're in, uh, engaging in in therapy. And to mitigate the pain, they're giving you um, narcotics. Narcotics, we all know, are addictive. Um, 
you become addictive because addicted because you're not necessarily monitoring and managing your pain appropriately. You would rather um, take a pain pill than to engage in some type of activity or movement to get the joint feeling back better, right? That first opportunity for um, that pain, that pain narcotic, then sort of starts this cyclical process of it ends up being the gateway drug to you to, to other drug use. And here we are with patient A. That's one particular way to go about it. You know what I think is so probably the hardest thing about addictions is people don't really like if you take that case example, mm-hmm. people don't really know your brain chemistry and what it's gonna respond right. to in a particular way. So even like if you go for a surgery. You know, and I, you know, some people are more cautious about the medicine when the Mm -hmm. doctors give it, but like you don't really know until you have that experience what's going to lock into your brain in those dopamine reward centers. And next thing you know, right, it's a slippery slope. The other common story that you hear is people will get that first high from usually probably opioids. But it could be any other drug, but get that first high and then try and get that same high. You're chasing that high. Every other time, but it never fully gets to that first high that you got. Um, There was like a documentary. It's called Chasing the Dragon. And it's about like people are saying like they try and get to that first time that they felt that euphoric state and you know no matter how much that they um do afterwards they can never get back to that that initial point so it's like chasing that that initial high that dragon yeah and I think I think one big framework I always think about is like that it's really everything we do is kind of effort to get back to homeostasis right to regulate our central nervous system so like if we're if we're too anxious or too kind of revved up we want to you know, calm down a little bit. If we're too tired, lethargic, maybe down, depressed, we want to pick it up. Because even the, like, socially sanctioned drugs, like America runs on Duncan, right? Like, that's what the slogan is. Unexpected. Unexpected. I didn't see, like, <laughs> because think way about it. left field. <laughs> because, didn't see that because, one because think about it. Like, there are socially sanctioned things that, like, almost we're almost primed and we have to kind of guard our own addictive potential because coffee's so regulated so so uh socially acceptable happy hour right pizza all the bad foods so it's like you kind of have to think about like we're just socialized to like use these outside external things to regulate ourselves mm-hmm. instead of like exercise mindfulness i mean people do those things but the line at dunkin donuts on I mean, and caffeine is a real thing. It's I think a real thing. It gets excluded from mm-hmm. the conversation when we talk about caffeine. Do you guys remember when I made you all do that green smoothie cleanse at work I, that I one time? And do you remember we had a colleague that mm-hmm. drank coffee religiously, like every like the strong coffee, and within the first day, she had to go home. She had to go home. Yeah, that's what I'm because saying. Because she could not yep. function. Yep. The withdrawals from the caffeine were so intense that she she literally couldn't function that day right 
So right, it's like coffee on one end, crack on the other. I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's a stimulant. What you want from me? I didn't make up nature. And there you have it, friends. I mean, I'm just saying. You have caffeine. Same bean. And you have crack. Ain't it the same bean? Am I wrong? I mean, really? Oh, dear. I'm going to put myself in time. I'm going to rein myself all the way in. I'm going to put myself in time. But Dr. Hamlet, that. Is that gonna be a T-shirt? Oh, that needs that needs to be a good no, t- guys. We cannot that put crack be, on one hand, caffeine on the other. Oh my lord! I mean, this is just—I'm I'm serious. I'm actually being serious. <laughs> I know you are. The, the coffee bean, or on a cup, is this a could be crack, drug, and it just gets processed. Doctor Hamlet, or it could be on a mug. No. This could be crack, or this could no. be caffeine. Good we're for not, you that it's coffee. Good we're not. You. We're not doing this. No, we're not doing that. We're, we're not, not doing, doing this. We're, we're gonna, not. We're, we're gonna not. rein it in. Just saying though, it's we're a gonna, stimulant. We're gonna rein it in. We're gonna talk about how mm-hmm. number one, there's a biological predisposition predisposition to yes. addiction, and then there's also the psychological, which includes sure. the reward system in the brain, but also an escape. Yes. From whatever it is. A numbing. Yep. A numbing out that, you know, may be warranted if the demands of life get too overwhelming. Or <clears throat> presently, they say that there's um, an increase in the um, in drug use and so and drug overdoses um, because of or directly or so, and in some way, shape or form related to the um, pandemic. Mm-hmm. And people feeling <clears throat> um, overwhelmed, not knowing where to go, what to do, how to handle, because um, the pandemic is is new for everyone. So, with to your point, Doctor Gaines, this addiction thing has 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 definitely made it to the radar of the masses, because you're having to use the emergency. Um, <clears throat> the emergency use Narcan to sort of combat some of these drug overdoses that we've been seeing. Yeah. You, But do you guys remember at the beginning of the pandemic when it was like alcohol, like liquor stores were an essential service in Connecticut? That's what they got deemed. Yep. So what and the lines saying? were literally around the I mean, corner. No way. They, yeah. they let the liquor stores stay open. So it was I mean, deemed, what, it was deemed what that essential. Mean? What does that mean? That means you have parents home with kids. <laughs> <laughs> learning that good um what's the what's the new math i don't know i have no idea core that core math right which is different math than we were taught i don't know nothing about no core so they're math having either. to learn that being home from work working from home i mean life is indeed stressful right it we is. can all agree it is it's just a matter of how you manage it and that's the thing right so then substances become the way to cope no matter if it was something that you were introduced to because of pain regulation or something that a friend or family member introduced you to just socially or something that you did indeed turn to because of difficult times like I just need I just need a way out for right now there are so many different avenues and pathways 
to these things. Um, I think one common misconception about it is if, well, like if somebody really wanted to stop, they would. Yeah. And that's not right. That's not necessarily the case. You can have all the will. It's true. In the world to want to to want to. But once your body becomes dependent on a substance to function, because that's that's the biological part, right? Like we put these substances in our bodies and then our our, they mimic normal neurotransmitters or processes within our bodies. So then once we do try and stop, our body has a very serious reaction to it. So then what's easier, right? Do we take away the substance and continue to have these issues within our body? Or then do we continue to use the substance and function as now what's considered the norm? Valid. But in some instances, it's not a substance. Say more, Dr. Taj. Say more. So in some instances, there's this um, space of, we can we can go to the extreme and call it mania, right? Where there's the shopping addiction. There's the That's a good one. Gambling addiction. What was that graphic game? Video games. Video games. Porn. 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 There's food. 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 How could we forget food? That's a that's a socially sanctioned one. There was this show on Lifetime where they're eating random objects. So there was this woman who used to eat powdered detergent. Oh, my strange addiction. My mm. mm-hmm. Yeah, she would or um toilet paper. Toilet paper. So many things on that show. That's or, pi- that's pika pika though, don't you think? Yeah, it is yeah, pika. pika. So I mean <clears throat> I see that as like yeah, I mean, I guess it's an addiction, though. If you mm-hmm. start to be like, I need... The egg crate, the mattress egg crate pads. Somebody was eating that? Mm-hmm. Oh. And then the doctors, they always have the doctors on there, and they're like, yeah, you're scammed. Let me show you. <laughs> Let's take a look. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Or my 600-pound life. Mm-hmm. I mean, but so that makes me think like we it, a lot of this is comorbid again with depression, anxiety, trauma. Like, what percentage would you say people who develop serious substance abuse problems have some level of anxiety, depression, or trauma? Even just those three. Well, I think it's very rare that you find <clears throat> a substance use other. disorder without yeah anything else happening, right? Or any I shouldn't even say substance use, but any type of addiction. Without a co-occurring difficulty. Yeah, because I think people are trying to just deal. Like avoid, either avoid or escape, or downregulate or upregulate. And even sensory. I don't Dr. Kaj, you could probably speak to this more than we can, but some of these, like on my strange addiction, right? Like some of these things are probably like a sensory. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Thing that people it's, are it's, trying to you know, kind of you're tapping into you're tapping into your senses, right? So it's so for some, some love tapioca. I'll just use tapioca because it's a textured food or cottage cheese, <laughs> whatever te- te- oh. or pudding, right? 
all different textured <laughs> foods. Some people like pudding more than they like tapioca or cottage cheese. Some love cottage cheese. Chips. What about chips? Chips. Salty, crunchy, right? So you want to be able to, with food, you want to be able to tap into your senses. So that's taste, that smell, and that's sort of, and this is this is an off, this is this is not a professional word, but chewability. Okay. So is it what was that? I know I'm just what is chewability? Chewability like, would be like crunch or chew, like gum versus chewing chicken versus chewing the toughness of steak, depending on the consistency and how you like your steak, right? So all of those things sort of tap you into sort of your plate in front of you. Color, right? So they always say when you make your plate, you want to make sure that you make it full of color because it makes, you know, brightness brings brings you to your happy place when you're eating. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, I just want scarf because I'm hungry. I'm not worried about nobody's rainbow on my plate. I just want my vegetable, my starch, and my good protein. Can we move forward? But <clears throat> for the most part, you're supposed to be able to tap into those things. And those things for some, tend to be oversaturated. So the salty, for those that have the high blood pressure, right? The sugar. The sugar, the the, the sweet, for those that um, are really into the sweet. And then everything else, the sour. The saturated fats like pizza. The cheese. The comfort of the warm foods. So like your soups, your pizzas. Mac and cheese. Your mac and cheese. Mm. Pasta. Had some yesterday. Mac and cheese is so good. So like you're tapping into all those senses and those are the things that could make food very addictive because you're 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 oversaturating that particular urge for you from a sense sensory perspective. I think it's some a bit smell. Does it smell good? Sorry. No, it's okay. No, I was just thinking as you were talking. Do you guys think how much of it you think is just habitual, though? Because like if you. You know, when you think about like pizza, right, like or these kind of foods or alcohol or shopping, like when you stop for a period of time, like, OK, I can't have mac and cheese every day, can't have wine every day, can't eat pizza all the time. It does seem like it just. Re- so I guess to your point, like some people aren't able to reset like that. Mm-hmm. But in other cases, when you just build a new habit. But it takes about 21 days to build a new habit. <clears throat> I also think with, with not necessarily substance use, with these other types of addictions that we're talking about, a lot of people aren't even aware yeah, right. that right. it's happening as it's happening, right? Like food, food, for instance. Yeah, like I don't know if people are really aware of how much they're consuming as they're doing it. Sure, sure. Or if they're aware that they're using food as a comfort. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't have that awareness. It's tough. You know, you have to you have to really pay attention to it though. Or could we even make the case that for some people with their substance use, they're not aware of why they're doing it other than that it satisfies a, a biological or a physiological need at a certain point like once you become addicted then yes like the substance is serving a physiological need like your body is now conditioned to right need the substance to focus but like initially why did you right turn to that 
That's why I always think it's helpful for people to build in a stopgap, like a moment. Like when you get like when you're like, oh, I'm going to go get some of this or oh, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go shop, whatever it is, like just sit with that for a minute and try to get in touch with like what's driving me right now. Mm-hmm. Am I anxious about work? Am I stressed? I feel like people just go, like you said, they just mindlessly go for the things. But if they can, if you can sit for a minute and think about like, what is this feeling? Mm-hmm. But that would that would cause the person to be introspective too. Yeah, yeah, it would. Which, it would involve that. Yeah, which most people. If they're strongly addicted to something, that's true. Is not trying to hear the why, which is why the interventions happen, right? Like on on TV, the intervention. I'm just saying, like at some point, like if you're not in tune, somebody who cares about you is going to be like, bring it in, bring it in. Let's have a wrench around. What'd you say about time? Wrench Wrench around. around. Wrench around around here. Come sit right here. Like um, sit right here. Let's 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 have a come to Jesus. Sometimes it takes that. Yeah. Because I feel like we all have that family member that we can think about. Of course. That people in the family have had to have several conversations with. And maybe sometimes it has worked and maybe sometimes not so much. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I think it's important for family members of, of people who do have, um, struggles with addiction to understand like until that person is ready mm-hmm. yeah. to do something about it there's very little that you can do right they have to they have to first acknowledge that there's a problem yes because you know you can sit there and point out to them all day that there there's a problem but if they don't have the introspection to to to, to realize that there's a problem I mean, I think that's why a lot of people have to kind of hit a rock bottom, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, and the okay. family has to let them. Okay. Well, because mm-hmm. that, right. I'll open up another can of worms with that one. But the family has to not coddle. Which is so hard, right? When it's your kid, your spouse. Sure. Very hard. Yeah. Your siblings. Like, yeah, that's the other thing to think about. Addiction is dick, is is heartbreaking for family members. Mm-hmm. Right? As they, like, watch you know it's a, it's a lot you know you're 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 taking down a lot of people that's what it is you're taking down a lot of people it's not just you in this addiction it's all of us and then the kids right how many kids have we worked with who my dad my dad was a drug addict mhm i would only see him Right. And to kids, they don't know, like, addiction's a thing. It's not their fault. They just think, like, you picked that over me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that trauma then could lead to their own addiction. Then we get into some generational curses here. Yeah. So it's a lot. It's a lot for not only for the person who's struggling with it, but for family members as well. And so support for everybody right how do we support everybody how do you as a family member get support and it's a long road and it's a long road right so if you look at somebody like to turn it current and pop right cultured news you if you look at somebody like dmx yeah he's had a long term long struggle with it 
and and um in a record in a recording of some sort some video clip he was actually telling how he became addicted um the weed he was smoking was laced and that started his downward spiral and it was um weed he was smoking with someone he trusted right so it's like that in itself starts a whole mishmash of stuff, right? It's like, how do you continue to trust the people around you? Because the person I trusted gave me weed laced with something. And now here I am. And then psychologically, mm-hmm. right, we're talking about the difficulty coping with the fact that you can't trust these people you thought you would. So mm-hmm. then how do I escape that overwhelming mm-hmm feeling which then leads me to maybe use more because that provides me an escape from the reality that for me it may be too much and then this is how the cycle kind of unfolds don't you think it's interesting too, like thinking about dmx and then think about like michael jackson think about prince like it what do you guys think that's about that like because i was just thinking with dmx he was so beloved beloved as a you know hip-hop star and probably had at some point tons of money. He had a wife who loved him. It's like interesting to think about when people still struggle to overcome those things. When mm-hmm. we think on the objectively on the outside, you're like, but everything's great. But no, it's all relative. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, even in some of his music, like you could hear struggles, you know internally that he was having slipping falling i can't get up like <laughs> they did say it they did say it they yeah, said that i guess he did a lot of his songs were telling his life story but what i didn't know um in all of this right so sort of dr gains your point of like who do you trust this man had 15 kids with several different women. So it wasn't like it's a lot of children. He sort of stayed with a girlfriend or here or there. Like he didn't trust long enough to stay in a relationship. Right? Because his trust was broken so early on that it sort of started that perpetual wheel. My my only memory of thinking about him, I think I read an article in Rolling Stone or some magazine a long time ago when he was like really famous. And he was talking about, like, how neglected he was as a kid. He was in foster care. Yep. And he, he literally, in this article I read, I never forgot it. He was like, you know, I used to just have, like, a broken zipper that had come off of my pants or something to play with. And he's mm-hmm. like, I just used to sit in the room and play with a zipper. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow, that's deprivation. Meanwhile, you have kids complaining because their parents took away their iPhone. I digress. I was like, wow. Well, that puts a fine point on it. You know? Yeah. It puts it in perspective. It really does. I mean, you know, I think we've mentioned this. Like, if you are experiencing some form of trauma, mm-hmm. yeah, the higher the likelihood that Absolutely. there will be a co-occurring substance use issue. Um, and it's just sad to think, right? You know... The more that we talk about all of these different issues, mental health issues, 
the more I think that it's all relational. Oh, for sure. In nature. For sure. Relational to ourselves and relational to other mm-hmm. people. That makes sense. Like irrespective of, is that a, did I use that word correctly? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> irrespective of diagnosis and symptoms, mm-hmm. I just really believe that it all goes back to relational and attachment issues. Mm-hmm. It does. Cause I was just thinking when you said trauma, like big T trauma, mm-hmm. you know, like a big traumatic thing mm-hmm. versus little T trauma, which is just, you know, the attachment relationships and things maybe your parents didn't even know were traumatic. Mm-hmm. But that's what's interesting lately. I've been thinking like the body is why. You know, there's natural things that your body is wired to respond and calm itself with natural, like exercise. That's why when you exercise, you feel great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meditation, like there's ways, it seems like it's known that we're going to get stressed out and we have these built-in mechanisms. And maybe, you know, it's fun to shop, have a glass of wine, you know, within eat some reason. pizza. Within like reason. your brain responds to it, but it's just when it goes too far to one of those yeah yeah little exercise little pizza (laughs) i mean you know (laughs) a little coffee (laughs) no crack oh my god (laughs) (laughs) right fair i mean some things are just a little too addictive i mean imagine (laughs) that i no i agree I i guess there's people who may recreationally use those kind of drugs I mean, but the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that if you already know within your family right. that this is a thing, right, because there is a genetic component sure. to addiction. So if you, your mama, your daddy, granddaddy, grandma, grandma, great granddaddy, <laughs> like if you know, I'm saying like if you already can see that these things have been difficult for a lot of members in your family, then you know what? When your friends say we're going to the bar for happy hour. Maybe you say, I'll meet you afterwards. Because that just might not be the place for you. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, not for nothing, though. Sometimes people have to decide, like, I probably need some friends who don't drink. Or I need friends who, you know, work out. Or I need friends who... Which is part of the premise of, like, AA and NA. Yeah. Like, once you've gone through your 12 steps, they encourage you to find... And create and foster a system outside of your norm. Mm-hmm. The healthier coping skills, the healthier coping strategies, so that you don't easily revert. And 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 in some instances, if your addiction is 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 pretty bad, they often encourage you to not go back to that setting because it's instantly going to sort of send you in a tailspin and all your hard work is gonna be gone. Which is so hard. I mean, like everyone doesn't have the luxury, right, of being able to relocate themselves or right. not, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't want to never see your family. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of discipline yeah. and work, which is a lot. Of, I think why sometimes people don't want to be bothered with trying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does take a lot. I mean, it's a, it's like a lifelong yeah. commitment. Yeah. So for everyone out there listening, how do we kind of help them with some coping skills or how do we help them flip the script on addiction and and how that has affected them and their families 
I mean, I think the first and the first thing that's relatively important is that you have to know or realize that there is an addiction. Mm. So sort of owning what is. Because if you don't own it, all of this work is for naught, right? Um, and do some self-work. With the self-work, you also have to sort of think about holistically sort of tapping into your senses, tapping into your work-life balance, finding finding all of those things that were missing, missing pieces to the puzzle, and sort of put them back or recreate them or establish them because you may not have had them, right? And then take baby steps forward with the with a support system, whatever that support system looks like. It may not have been your friends, your family, the spaces that you were in and around during the addiction. So you may have to create brand new and being okay with brand new. Because some people, because brand new is, is, is work, as we've discussed. So you have to be able to be okay with new and be able to be dedicated to put in the work the new because it's not going to be you wake up one day and it's like oh I'm in a new apartment in a new space got some new friends got a new job and I'm doing it it's not you know because you'll always yearn for shoulda coulda woulda it's over here mm-hmm. and feeling like there's FOMO right fear of missing out so it's like there's something going on over here that I'm missing oh it's 420 I usually go smoke with my friends let me call them up you know, so that, that 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 is that's where we are. That I think that that's the first thing. I think too, people have to get like comfortable with uncomfortable a little mm. bit because you you have to kind of like tune in, like oh, I'm feeling anxious or I'm tired and cranky or somebody hurt my feelings or I'm bored, and be okay, just sitting with that. You know, be what I'm okay saying? with not being okay. Yeah. And then when you have cravings, you have, you know what I'm saying? It's not easy. So I feel like people have to just, you have to just accept like, and have a game plan. Like, this is what I'm going to do, right? Mindfulness, exercise, whatever. But also just being like, you know what? I'm kind of, I don't know, stressed out right now. That's just what it is. I would normally do this, but I don't want to do that because I know how this will unravel or already my kids don't speak to me or I lost my job you know and it's not always that severe but I feel like getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is a big part huge huge and the other piece is for family members you know supporting someone that does have difficulties with addiction doing the right thing may not may not always feel good good it may not always feel warm and fuzzy and puppy dogs and rainbows like dr tosh says puppy dogs (laughs) and rainbows it may be really really hard it may you know make you feel guilty it may make you feel like you're not being a good friend or sister brother mother um and if so you know you can always seek out support for yourself and how to deal with those feelings that come along with making some hard decisions when it comes to supporting a family member. 
Um, because what they need may not always be what you want to give them. Um, so it's important to get that support for yourself as well. Definitely. My energy is still at a three. <laughs> energy is still at a three? Yes. Dr. Yeah. Hamlet? Um, I'm at like a five. It's just, this is a hard conversation, you know, because I feel like so many people are in, impacted by addiction. The and work the of it, climate sort of adds to it, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, the work of it is hard. It is. And I don't know, hopefully this will be helpful to people. Mm-hmm. And for all the people out there that, you know, are doing what they can to kind of get their addiction under control, like, shout out to you. Because for sure. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. It is really, really hard. Like, I commend anybody. And we applaud you for the work. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really trying. You know, and just create safe spaces for yourself. Yes. You know, because so many things are socialized and peer pressure and all the things. So just, you know, create a community of people around you that support your sobriety, you know, whether it's shopping, gambling. Coffee or crack. coffee or crack for those of you out there listening need to follow up with a conversation or ask us a few questions feel free to reach out to us at the doctors at beingthepodcast.com the doctors at beingthepodcast.com you can check us out at um, on Facebook and IG um, being the podcast and Pick up some merch, sweatshirts, T-shirts, mugs um, at www.beingthepodcast.com, beingthepodcast.com. In all things being, you can sort of check us out. Um, We will see you guys. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.